Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio. Your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Friday, March 3rd, and we start, as always, with local news. Middle Tennessee is under a severe weather advisory, including high winds that will impede the safe operation of school buses. Due to these conditions and to keep all students safe, there will be no school today, Friday, March 3rd, including all Boys and Girls Club locations. Twelve-month school employees can use their discretion in reporting for work. Felicia Patrick, mother to son S.J., sat on her bed at Columbia Inn and gathered herself after describing a happier time. Today, like the many days before, she is not working, though she is willing. Employers haven't given her much hope for being an employable prospect, she says. Now it's just Patrick and her son S.J. in a temporary hotel room in Columbia. It's not a home. There's no kitchen to cook a breakfast, little light pours through the small windows, and little help doesn't lighten the load of her worries. On a recent February day, Patrick was preoccupied with the condition of the carpet in her temporary room, where leaks soaked the floor. Staff showed up to work on the problem, but Patrick had to wait. Desperate and uncertain living day-to-day seems to be the theme these days. S.J. is just one of 90 students in Murray County Public Schools without a stable home who might not lay his head on a permanent pillow this evening. Most stories like Patrick's remain hidden to protect privacy, but she is ready for others to hear the realities of homelessness. She hopes someone will listen. Mostly, it means finding a way to provide S.J. with his basic needs, most urgently, a home. Students experiencing homelessness who are enrolled in Murray County Public Schools are connected to services to help the family get back on their feet. The district's focus is to help families so that education can continue unimpeded. It's also of the utmost importance for dignity to be maintained, said Murray County Public Schools Superintendent Lisa Ventura and Federal Programs Director Katrina Davis. Patrick's story tells of a life on the run from her son's father and one traumatic circumstance after another that eventually brought her to the Columbia nonprofit program Room in the Inn, which partners with Columbia Inn to help those experiencing homelessness get back on their feet again. I left regret, pain, plans for the future, Patrick said. I left everything. I lost everything. As she fought back tears, Patrick's worry was clearly fixed on her stout, red-headed six-year-old who lives with autism. While S.J. happily buzzed around the room in a flurry, Patrick explained why recent years had made her life so challenging. Getting S.J. to school is a priority, but so is being able to work and support him. She's had difficulty finding a job that would work with her schedule. Money is tight all around, Patrick said, explaining she receives a small check for her son's care. Laundry is a big issue because S.J. goes through so many clothes, she said. Amid the cost to support her small family, she said the money goes very quickly. The high costs of child care are a challenge on the national, national stage, but so is finding a job that will help her pay for it since the work shifts she needs often overlap with after-school hours. If they do hire me, they have to let me go because if he is out of school, I have no family or support system, and they say I'm unreliable, Patrick said. It's a double-edged sword. You can't work because you have a child to care for, but you can't care for your child without work, she said. Besides child care, Patrick also struggles with getting vital medical care that SJ needs. 
Sometimes I'm fighting with insurance to help pay for medications, Patrick said. There is a lot he needs, like trying to get him back into speech and physical therapy. The medical needs are many for her child, as autism demands much attention. Although Patrick is appreciative of the temporary shelter provided by Reverend Jeff Kane, director of Room in the Inn, she said she doesn't always know how to find other help. Securing transportation, food assistance, and medical services seems like a full-time job, she said. I hear so many people tell me about getting help with this or that resource, and I call the numbers they tell me to, but it's like they don't know what I'm talking about, Patrick said. It feels like a dead-end road every time. Her voice began to crack as she quickly deflected her tears. That this is not me, she said. Patrick recalls a time when SJ accidentally caused her to drop her phone, unable to be retrieved, saying that was the longest two weeks of her life due to losing potential job callbacks and teacher communications with her son. According to educators, the weight of the burdens that homelessness causes is many times carried with children into the classroom. The look of homelessness, as defined by the federal McKinney-Vento Act, legislation that distributes funding to school districts to aid students experiencing homelessness, might be difficult to spot, educators say. The act defines homeless children and youths as individuals who lack a fixed, regular, and adequate nighttime residence, such as the following, staying with friends or relatives due to economic hardship, living in hotels, motels, trailer parks, or camping grounds without a choice, staying in emergency or transitional shelters, living in public spaces such as parks or abandoned buildings, and migratory students. At the state level, a report from the National Center for Homeless Education shows that 20,000 students during the 2018-2019 school year were reported as homeless in Tennessee. However, Murray County Public Schools officials say the number could be more because some families fail to report their living situation, which hinders them getting needed help and services. Even one student living in homelessness is one too many, Murray County Public Schools Superintendent Lisa Ventura said, but there are far more than 90 students who are homeless. Parents are given a registration packet that identifies homelessness, but not everyone fills it out, she said. It's kind of a pride thing. It's not a big number of people who want to admit those kinds of struggles to the school system, Ventura said. I think we've all struggled in our lives, and living with other family, many don't realize they are considered homeless by the federal government. If I lived with my sister, for example, I might not think of that as homelessness. So many are living from one paycheck to the next, putting them only a couple of steps away from falling into a homeless scenario like the one Patrick is facing, Ventura said. The school district has assigned a position of homeless liaison to each affected school to help families on a case-by-case basis. Derek Green, who will soon begin the work of homeless liaison for the entire district, said Each school has one person, mostly school counselors, who are demonstrating the effort to help where it is needed. His role, beginning next school year, will be to coordinate the efforts of all schools to best alleviate the difficulties of homelessness. Green said each school in the district has a liaison, whether it's a counselor or a cafeteria worker. As Patrick moves forward, she hopes to find people like Green who can help her with her and her son's needs. Children experiencing homelessness have much more distracted are much more distracted in the classroom, which affects their academic performance, Ventura said. Progress in the classroom suffers significantly when a child's most basic needs are something they are having to constantly worry about, Ventura said. The federal government is very clear we can't provide housing, but we can provide as many meals as, w- as possible. We aim to do everything we possibly can, she said. 
The district also provides toiletries, backpacks, along with school supplies, and they are sometimes able to arrange hotel housing for two or three nights at a time. Still, Ventura said, hotel stays are a temporary band-aid to a gaping wound. Director of Federal Programs for Murray County Public Schools, Katrina Davis, said the district attempts to remedy problems through an unofficial coalition of churches, businesses, organizations, nonprofits, and individuals. Davis agreed that it creates an all-hands-on-deck approach to meeting the basic needs of the community's most vulnerable. Most situations to help homeless students are handled at school levels with the help of principals, teachers, counselors, or any staff who notice what Ventura said are certain patterns. If a student shows up to school consistently wearing the same clothes or mentions not getting to eat at home, for example, could be signs of a child experiencing homelessness. The district received a $70,000 grant last fall to help with parents who are looking to find help who can reach out to their school's homeless liaison for access to an application for receiving the help. For more information, you can visit www.tn.gov forward slash education forward slash student dash support. The continuing June Lake mixed-use development continues to navigate its way through the approval process this week, addressing one of the project's largest concerns. And this didn't have to do with residential, retail, hotel, or office designs, but what it will take to provide the proper utilities to June Lake residents. The Municipal Planning Commission received a multi-item proposal to construct a a 3.5 million gallon water tank to service the 775-acre Spring Hill property, of which its first initial homes are expected to be completed later this year. June Lake is also adjacent to the site of the upcoming I-65 interchange project at Buckner Road and Buckner Lane roads, which will both also be receiving widening projects. One of the big issues discussed Monday was how the water tank could potentially hinder some of the property's natural landscape, and if it is in a good location to provide sufficient buffering on all sides, Associate Planner Jake McQueen said. However, this doesn't mean seem to be an issue preventing the project from moving forward. Staff is recommending approval of the June Lake water tank project, McQueen said. Don Alexander, representing applicant Southeast Ventures, said the tank will be located approximately 350 feet from Thompson Station Road and would stand at about 83 feet tall. It's significant, Alexander, Alexander said. I think this is a sufficient buffer and goes well beyond the 25-foot buffer requirement. Designs and renderings of the proposed water tank were not provided Monday, although project engineer Jeff Gunner and Alexander said their team is hoping the finished project will blend in with its natural surroundings. Our preference is that it is maybe like a forest green and blue, something that tries to blend in with the tree canopy and does not stand out, Alexander said. We'd prefer it to disappear as much as possible. James Blooming, a Spring Hill resident, spoke out against the proposed project, saying that while it intends... Its intent is to address the water capacity issue at the site. It could end up costing the city more than it anticipates. When you take control of a tank that large, which is 10 stories wide and 8 stories high, and you go to paint it, it's very, very expensive, Blooming said, and it has to be done right, and the qualifications you have to do to paint it is very expensive, he said. No votes were cast this week on the item, which actually appears under two items on the Planning Commission's agenda, The water tank will reappear on the commission's regular meeting, scheduled at 5.30 p.m. on Monday, March 13th. While Columbia's downtown square has undergone quite the revitalization over the last several years, there are some staples that have continued to thrive for decades, such as a balloon shop. 
A balloon shop has graced the city for more than 40 years, and much of the reason for its success is their support of the community that supports them. Owner Vicki Kelly purchased the shop in 2014 after she retired for what her daughter, Shanna Jones, called something fun to do and keep her busy. Shanna stepped in to help the whole family business when her dad was in an accident, but that only further solidifies the nature of their family and the business. That's why when a family friend suffered a brain aneurysm, the family was undoubtedly going to help in any way possible. While under Kelly's ownership, the shop has become known as a place to grab a quick salad, sandwich, or hot dog for lunch, especially for those at the Murray County Courthouse. Additionally, though, the shop's ice cream selection has garnered a lot of attention. A balloon shop proudly serves Murray County-made ice cream from Country Churn. Charlie and Judy Morton provide all of the ice cream to the shop, something Jones said she is proud of when it comes to supporting other local businesses. It's been a big hit, she said, noting it continues to be a hit no matter the weather. We sell just as much ice cream on a cold day as if it were 90 degrees outside, she said. Morton and his family began making ice cream a little more than a decade ago when Charlie and Judy's son began making small batches. Charlie and a partner bought the business and took it to the next level. We bought expensive equipment, built a shop with a commercial kitchen, and bought a trailer to take ice cream to shows, fairs, and other events, he said. We would sell eight to 10,000 bowls a summer. Now, the brand is exclusively a wholesaler for local shops and restaurants. The dynamic duo will team up on Saturday to benefit Tammy Jameson from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., where all proceeds from ice cream sales will go to the family. Tammy and Shanna's dad were friends while the two grew up, making them close friends as well. Jameson's first surgery post-aneurysm was a successful was a success initially, but the shunt is no longer doing its job, meaning she'll have to undergo the surgery a second time. Jameson's husband, Tony, has been providing around-the-clock care because she cannot be left alone, Jones said. We are doing all we can to help their family out, Jones said. For the folks at a balloon shop, though, this is not only about helping out a close family friend, but also giving back to the community that has stepped up to help them in their own time of need. My youngest nephew was burnt in a fire three years ago, Jones said. This community came together like no other and helped him. This community supported us and my parents 100%, and we want to see the same thing happen for Tammy. That's what it's all about. Friends and family coming together, she said. A proposed bill which would designate the Duck River as a Class II scenic river is now being debated at the Capitol. The Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation classifies scenic rivers in the state. A Class II rating is defined as rivers or sections of rivers that are free-flowing, unpolluted, and with shorelines and scenic vistas partially or predominantly used for agricultural and other recreational activities, which do not interfere with public use and enjoyment of the rivers and shores. The Murray County Commission met last Tuesday to unanimously approve a resolution which would further protect the Duck River, the sole source of drinking water for much of Murray County. The bill is now being considered in the Tennessee General Assembly, where it was heard by the House Agriculture and Natural Resources Subcommittee on Tuesday, where it was approved unanimously and sent on to the full committee, and will be heard in the Senate on March 8th. Sponsored by State Representative Scott Sipicki and Senator Joey Hensley, the bill would protect the Duck River from Industrial Park Road Bridge to the Murray County line beyond Natchez Trace River Bridge. Currently, the Duck River is protected from Marshall County line to Iron Bridge Road. The bill would require permitting of certain water resource projects in Class II scenic river areas subject to rules promulgated by the TDEC commissioner. The Duck River is something very special to this community, 
said District 8 County Commissioner Gabe Howard. It's something not every community gets to have. We'll continue to protect that in any way we can, he said. Last October, the county commission adopted the Jackson Law, which would force future landfill operations to give notice of their intention to develop. The vote followed an application from Trinity Business Group, who requested to build a recycling facility on the former Monsanto Chemical Company property, bringing much concern among the community. Representative Sipiki encouraged commissioners to show up to the Capitol in support of the bill. The lobbyists are up there working against your resolution, Sipiki said. If you want this bill to pass, we expect to see 22 commissioners up there when this bill goes to committee, because this is your bill, he said. We need to show up to say this is important to Murray County, he said. Columbia State Community College welcomes Appalachian Roadshow to the Cherry Theater on March 16th as part of the First Farmers Performance Series. Appalachian Roadshow is a visionary acoustic ensemble bringing new generation interpretations of traditional Americana, bluegrass, and folk songs, as well as offering innovative original music, all presented with a common thread tied directly to the heart of the Appalachian regions of the United States. Appalachian Roadshow invites us to come and sit a spell on its porch as the band shares its dynamic musicianship through songs and stories emanating from the mountains and hollers of North Carolina and Virginia to the coal mines of West Virginia and Kentucky. We are excited to welcome this talented group of musicians to our performance series, said Bethany Lay, Columbia State Vice President for Advancement and Executive Director of the Columbia State Foundation. Their authentic bluegrass sound is beloved by many and tickets are selling fast. Don't miss the opportunity to join the celebration of genuine Appalachian music, she said. Individual tickets are on sale for $30 each plus tax for adults and $20 each plus tax for Columbia State students. To charge tickets by phone using a major credit card, you can call 931-540-2879 or purchase them in person in Room 113 of the Prior Administration Building on the Columbia campus Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. On the night of the performance, the box office opens at 6 p.m. in the Kenneth and Ramona Cherry Theater, located in the Wayman L. Hickman Building on the Columbia campus. Theater doors open at 6.30 p.m. and the show begins at 7. The Columbia campus is located at 1665 Hampshire Pike in Columbia. For more information, visit www.columbiastate.edu forward slash performance dash series. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have strong thunderstorms early today that will give way to partly cloudy skies this afternoon. Damaging winds, large hail, and possibly a tornado may come from some of these storms. The high will be 69 early in the day, which will drop to near 55 degrees later in the day. Winds will be out of the southwest at 25 to 35 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect a few clouds and a low near 40. Winds will be out of the northwest at 10 to 20 miles per hour. For your weekend forecast, we can expect clouds on Saturday changing into sunny skies on Sunday. Saturday's highs will be around 63 on Sunday, 71. We'll be chilly Saturday night with a low of 37. Sunday night, we'll get down to about 50 degrees. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. 
We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people, and we work hard to do things well, but we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello, friends. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Thank you seems appropriate for this time of year. At Tennessee Children's Home, we have even more to be thankful for this year. We have a new campus and have moved in. We've been overwhelmed by the support you have given us to the move to the new campus. Please continue to support us as we try to pay off this debt. Please go to our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, for more information. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. If you've got a yard, you may plan on digging it. Like to build an addition. Put in a pool or bury your pirate booty. But you should know that throughout the country, there may be pipelines buried underground 
And if you hit one, you've got trouble. Sorry. So before you dig, call 811 to have any buried pipelines located and marked at no charge. For more tips on pipeline safety, visit pipesafety.org. A message from the Tennessee Gas Association, Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Tennessee physicians assistants want state lawmakers to loosen regulations on their practices, essentially allowing them to be independent of the doctors who have traditionally supervised them and, the argument goes, help ease the state's shortage of medical practitioners. The proposal comes as states are increasingly expanding the role of nurses, physicians, assistants, pharmacists, and telehealth service to ease the continuing shortage of health care providers. This trend accelerated during the COVID-19 pandemic when states, including Tennessee, eased medical practice rules to allow patients more access to health care. North Dakota, Utah, and Wyoming have already approved similar measures. But physician groups, including the Tennessee Medical Association, say that permanently ending such regulations would allow physician assistants to practice as doctors without having attended medical school or gone through supervised residency programs. This, doctors say, could lead to poor health outcomes for patients. Two bills are now before the General Assembly to expand the authority of physician's assistance practice, and last week several hundred physician assistants and PAs in training in white coats showed up at the state capitol to lobby on their behalf. Seth Weathersby, a physician assistant who owns three urgent care centers in Murfreesboro, was among them. He argues the PAs are well-trained and are ready to fill the many gaps in the state's medical care without all the red tape that's currently required of them. Everyone hears all the time about how underserved we are from a primary care medicine perspective, from an internal medicine perspective, and how it takes forever to get in to see your doctor, and everybody has a great relationship with urgent care now, Weathersby said. But preventative medicine has fallen so far off people's radar because access to care is so incredibly limited. Yarnell Beatty, the Tennessee Medical Association's senior vice president and general counsel, said the existing regulations help prevent overprescribing of opioids and overutilization of health care resources by PAs. Changing state laws to allow PAs to sever collaborative relationships with physicians and practice beyond the scope of their education, training, and experience would essentially be giving them licenses to practice medicine and do what doctors do without having attended medical school or undergone a supervised residency program. Beatty's wrote in an email, Tennessee needs more integration in health care, not less. Tennessee law requires physician assistants to work in partnership with a supervising or, as the law puts it, collaborating licensed physician and to notify the state of who that person is. Prescriptions provided by physician assistants must be monitored by the state's Board of Medical Examiners and Board of Physician Assistants, including site visits. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Columbia's own 7th Annual Mid-State Classic Collegiate Softball Tournament returns March 15th at the Ridley Sports Complex. Come see the Lady Volunteers face off against Austin P. starting at 5.30 p.m. Opening game, Columbia State versus Motlow College at 1 p.m. Food trucks on site and parking is free. Tickets are $10 and sold exclusively online at columbiatn.com slash midstateclassic. Or check out the City of Columbia Parks and Recreation today. The Mid-State Classic, March 15th. See you at the game. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Here's an opportunity to purchase items that belong to Elvis Presley and Colonel Tom Parker. An auction will be held today and tomorrow at Johnny Cash's Bon Aqua Farm at 9676 Old Highway 46 in Bon Aqua. This auction will provide an opportunity to acquire original 1940s-era building components from the historic Colonel Tom Parker Management Office from Madison, Tennessee. Included will be wrought iron doors, entry gates, wood paneling, and more. Other estate furnishings from Johnny Cash, Minnie Pearl, Waylon Jennings, and Donna Summer will be available as well. The Johnny Cash Farm uh, will be available from 10 a.m. on the 3rd, and the 4th viewing hours are 10 to 5. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back on Monday to update you with the latest news. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great week.